0: Welcome to Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm T. Lusk, and I'm the Columbia campus pastor here at Rolling Hills. As we continue in our summer series, The Great Adventure, today you'll hear from Pastor Jason as he teaches on Exodus 25 and how God is a God of details. He's in the big and the small things, and he's sovereign over all things. Now let's jump into today's message from Pastor Jason.
1: Well, who in the room likes details... Where are my detail people? The guys that you all you all like all the details, you like for there to be a plan and the rest of you guys are like I don't really care. I just kind of roll with the punches. However, it goes perhaps you've been in a situation where details weren't super clear or maybe it wasn't really clear what the plan was or maybe there was a misrepresentation of the details or you were told one thing and prepared for one thing and you had misinformation and therefore you didn't have the right details or maybe a lack of details meant that you missed a key part of the story or a key part of the process. Details are important. Several years ago, when I was still living in Kentucky, a friend of mine invited me to go on a Saturday to a uh, University of Kentucky football game. And so I said, sure, I'd love to go. And I uh, didn't really ask any questions about that. Just, hey, what time are we going to leave? And, uh, Swing by, picked me up, and we went to the game, and we got somewhat close to the stadium, and we found parking very easily, which was a little strange on that particular day, and then we parked the car. We walk around uh, the corner, and I'd been there several times, and so we round the corner to where the stadium is, and y'all, there is not a car anywhere in the stadium, and I thought, something is off here. You know, something is off. There's a part of the detail that I did not kind of follow through with. And we were playing Mississippi State that day, except we were playing in Starkville, Mississippi, and not Lexington, Kentucky. And so my friend was actually holding tickets for a game later in the season. And so we were just there having a grand old time and ended up watching it on TV somewhere like we could have done at home. Details matter. Or how about this one? A former coworker of mine and a job that I had prior to being here was in charge of booking travel for events. And we had an event that was coming up and part of the responsibility was to get to speakers from point A to point B. And our event was in Charleston, South Carolina. And when we're in Charleston, South Carolina, waiting for the speakers to arrive, she has booked them to Charleston, West Virginia. I've been to both places. They're different. You know, I... Uh, I love both of them, but they're different, and I don't know what that says about us and what it said about this particular speaker that nobody figured that out until they had landed in West Virginia, but nonetheless, details are important. But one of the more interesting ones, it didn't happen to me, but it happened to a friend of mine named Leslie, and she was on a mission trip. And so several years ago, uh, with a church, a relative had invited her on this trip. It wasn't here with Rolling Hills, but she was on this trip, and they had made a t-shirt for this trip, and they were going to a Spanish-speaking country. And so she had this t-shirt for this trip with what she thought was a message of hope on the shirt and so they wear it on the trip and nobody says anything about it and several months later she comes home and she I said was telling me she was at a Zumba class and somebody comes up and taps her on the shoulder and said hey I want to talk to you about your shirt and she said immediately I knew this is not a shirt that people have usually talked about and she said what is your shirt supposed to say and she said well it's supposed to say Jesus loves you and I love you That was the message, an incredible message of hope. And the lady said, well, it's really close to that, but you have one letter off in the word. And instead of saying Jesus loves you and I love you, it says Jesus loves you and I love myself. (laughs) So... Jesus loves you and I love you. Great message. You know, (laughs) Jesus loves you and I love myself diminishes a little bit. You know, it's just a little bit not as impactful, particularly in that moment. Details matter. Moral of the story, don't trust Google Translate for your official business. But I'm sure we can all relate to some of those details of the story where maybe a detail has gone bad or there's something that's misrepresented and it's impacted me because what I was expecting is not what actually ended up happening. Or maybe you're in a season of life where you really like details and you just need more details. And you would say, you know what, I wish God would make things a little bit clearer. I wish I had a few more details about what it is that I need to do. And I would venture to say that most of us are probably in a category where we either need more details, some of you need less details, and some of you just don't care. Or perhaps you're just in a season where you say, I need more clarity. The good thing is that God's word is not silent on any of this. God's word is not silent when it comes to him being a God of details. In fact, that's the theme for the day, the God of details. That God specializes in all of these details, both significant and what might seem really insignificant in our life. And my hope is that as a result of today, as this text that we're going to be reading and studying, that you'll catch a glimpse of what it is that God's doing in your life, and maybe that you would lean in, maybe in a way that you never have before, that you can trust his sovereignty. And that you can trust that he has a plan. Even if the plan doesn't make sense to me, that I can follow his instructions and that I can take great confidence in who he is and what he wants to do in my life. I'm so grateful that you guys are here with us this morning. A special welcome to those of you here with us for the very first time today. I hope that here at Rolling Hills that you'll find a place to connect and a place to be known and a place to serve and to be a part of something bigger than yourself. So just know that whatever your story is, I'm so grateful that you are here. And I want us to pray for God to come and do what only he can do in this place. I so want you to join me in prayer this morning. Lord, thank you for this day. We're so grateful for who you are. I thank you, God, that you are close to us and that you are in the very small details of our life and the really significant details of our life and everything in between. And so, God, I pray that you would strengthen us today and speak to us through your word. Thank you, God, for who you are. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen. Our text today comes from Exodus chapter 25. So if you have a Bible and you want to hop over to Exodus chapter 25 or you want to hop on that mobile device, you're going to see a lot of these words up here on the screen as well. And in full disclosure, I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture today that if you're anything like me, you would come up on this passage in Exodus 25 and you would just kind of skip over it because you would think this is a lot of details. What is the relevance of this passage in the year 2021? And hope what you're going to see is that it's extremely relevant because God wants to show us how he specializes in the intricacies and the details of our stories and the details of how we are to worship him. And so I want to use this passage as a jumping off point, but we're going to pull in some other verses as well from the Old Testament and the New Testament about how God wants us to trust him with all of the details. But let's start in Exodus chapter 25, verse 1, and I'm going to read over to verse 8. So the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. And these are the offerings you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. And then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. It's a very safe assumption that none of your all's life verses are represented in Exodus 25, 1 through 8. You know, if I were to ask you, what's your favorite verse of scripture? Nobody's going to say the one about goat hair. You know, that's the one that has, that's the one that has really provided me such strength and solace in my life. It's not a passage that just stands alone though, because you can't just read Exodus 25 and be like, okay, well, God, what are you trying to teach me? And that, because it's a part of a greater narrative. It's a part, of a, it's a part of a, bigger story that we've been looking at all summer long. And for those of you who are new here with us, a special welcome because we're in the midst, in fact, almost to the end of our summer series called The Greatest Adventure. Can you guys believe that summer is almost over, that we've been spending this summer looking at the Israelites and studying the life of Moses? But if you're here for the very first time today, you're going to catch really quickly what's happening because what has happened is God's chosen people, the Israelites, have been in captivity. And they were held in oppression and slavery by the Egyptians under the oppressive rule of Pharaoh. And God delivered them out of slavery, out of captivity, into freedom. And they're en route to the promised land. And he raised up a leader named Moses to lead them. And they encountered many obstacles, first of which is the Egyptians are chasing them. And then as they're chasing them, there's a big red sea that is separating them where they need to be. And God parts the sea so they can walk through on dry land. And now they're out in the desert and they don't have any food or any drink. And God provides for them daily in their provision. And then God gives them rules that they are to follow. God speaks to Moses and he delivers to them a, a, a list of rules, the ten of which that you're probably most familiar with are the Ten Commandments. And these commands are instructions that God gives them for the betterment of their lives and to help them and to guide them and lead them. Sometimes when we think about rules, we think about rules being very much life, you know, not giving us any life, but robbing all the joy out of life. That sometimes we think about rules in that way, but these rules and these commands and these instructions from God weren't to make their life miserable, they were to make their life better and they were to make their life holier and they were to give them some parameters as to how they should live. And that's precisely what's happening right before this part of the story is that God has given them instructions. God has given them commands for their benefit and to help them as they're living. It's not unlike a parent in the room who maybe you have a 13-year-old at home and you have a 13-year-old that thinks that you don't know what you're doing and they don't like your rules, but yet you kind of want to help them understand, I have these rules for your good. I have put these rules in place for your benefit. And I love you so much. That's why I have rules set for you. We have a preschooler at home and none of you, I think, would look at me and say, you're a really bad parent because you don't let him run into the street. No, if he's running towards the street, I'm going to scream and yell and try to get his attention in every possible way that I can because I'm not trying to cramp his style. I'm trying to keep him alive. And so I'm trying to say, please don't run into the street. It's a rule. It's a command because I love you so much that I want to protect you. And this is what God's commands are doing. And he's giving them to the Israelites, not so that he's kind of trying to just rob them of life, but he's saying, no, these actually help you and these grow you into who I have made you to be. And then we get to this point where God has delivered them now and he wants to be first place in their life. And he's instructing them to bring him offerings that we read in verses one through eight. And then he says, I want you to build a sanctuary. I want you to build a tabernacle where I am going to come and I am going to dwell with you. Now, why would God do this? Well, to answer that question, you got to go back to the start of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. God says, You shall have no other gods before me. It's at the outset of what God says this is my command to you that you will have no other gods before me. And so God's design is to be first place in your life. He wants to be the priority. And that's why he's telling them to bring the offerings and to build the tabernacle because it's just a continuation of what he's already told them with the commands is that I don't want you to have any other gods before me. So much so, I want you to now build a place, bring an offering and build a place where I'm going to come and dwell because his plans are indicative of the fact that he knows best. And his rules and his structure for the way that he's asking them to live are representative of the fact that God knows what is best for them. Maybe this has happened to you before when you've been in charge of something. And you've worked really hard to come up with a plan, and it is time for this to go live. And you have one guy over in the corner who has remained silent the entire planning process. And seven minutes before something is to go live, he raises his hand and says, well, have we actually thought about this, 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 and this, and in a very nice Christian way, you want to say, the time for suggestions was six weeks ago when you were silent. Even if his idea is better, sometimes you just want to say, just follow my plan. Just trust me in this. Even if his idea may have even been better than what you would have come up with. But now when you go back to the text and when you go back to what it is that God is doing, when it comes to God, God is saying to you and God is saying to the Israelites, I have a plan and you will not come up with a better one. I have a plan. It's a plan from the beginning. I'm here with you now. I will be with you tomorrow. And so I want you to trust me in all the details. And I want you to trust me in all the intricacies of this plan that I am bringing to you. Because see, nothing can be added to what God has already done. And if you've ever tried to add something to what God has already done, or if you've ever tried to kind of go your own path apart from God, probably what you've realized is halfway down that path, no, God's path was better. And if I trust Him, it actually leads to a more fulfilled rich, meaningful life. And so I want you to see this here on your notes. We give you that worship guide. You can fill in those blanks if you want to. Maybe that helps Um, you have some things to reflect upon later this week. But you see there in your notes, it's a good things come when you follow God's design. Good things come when you follow God's design. Maybe you want to insert the word great things come when you follow God's design. Because what did God promise them? He promised the Israelites that they would want for nothing if they followed him. Back when Moses was on Mount Sinai and God was speaking to Moses directly, he told Moses, if you will prioritize me, if you will keep me first, then you will want for nothing in your life. I will always protect. I will always care. I will always guide you. I will always be there for you. So God asking them to bring an offering to build a tabernacle, to build a house of worship for him, this wasn't an opportunity for God to just express what his needs were. God's not saying to them, I want you to bring this offering to me because I need all of the gold. No, he's saying, I want you to bring the offering to me because good things come in your life when you follow my design. This is an opportunity for God to test their priorities. Would they hold on to these valuable possessions or would they bring them to him in worship? I could stand up here for hours and tell you about all of the things that happen in your life, the good things that happen in your life when you follow God's design for fill in the blank, whatever it might be. When it comes to resources, God gives us a design as to how we are to handle our resources. He asks us to bring 10% of our resources as a tithe to him for the work of the Lord. And when you follow that design, what you see is that you experience freedom in life and you experience the joy that comes with holding very open-handedly what it is that God has blessed you with. Does God need anything that we bring to him? No, he owns a cattle of the thousand hills is what the Psalm, psalmist says in the book of Psalms. So God doesn't need my $200. <laughs> what it is, it's an opportunity for my priorities to be tested and to see, well, I hold on to what it is that God is asking me to bring back to him. But good things come when I follow his design. How about when it comes to intimacy? God's the one who created intimacy. But God also gave us parameters for how that intimacy is to be experienced. And it's to be experienced in the context of a marriage relationship. Things start to really go off the rail when you bring intimacy in your life out of the confines and out of the context of the way that God intended for it to be. So good things come when you follow God's design. How about when it comes to salvation? Salvation only comes when you follow God's design. There's no other way for which you and I can be saved. God saved his people. He set them free from captivity, and he has set us free if we follow him. God made a way. For us to be made right and to not be held captive by sin. And in this particular story, back with the Israelites, they're building a tabernacle and they're building a house of worship. And in that house of worship, they're going to sacrifice animals, and the blood of that sacrifice is going to be an atonement. It's going to cover the sins of the people. Now, we don't do that anymore. We don't build altars in here and sacrifice animals on them so the blood can be shed for the atoning of the sins of you and honing of the sins of you and me, but Jesus's blood was shed as the ultimate sacrifice. It's why Jesus is the fulfillment of all of this Old Testament law. And so when he took on the cross and when his blood was shed and when he was put in a tomb and three days later conquered death, that happened so that you and I could have life and that we don't need to be held captive by that sin and that shame any more. And God desires for our eternities to be changed. And if you've ever tried to get your eternity changed through anybody but Jesus, it's a lost cause. Good things come in your life when you follow God's design. I love Romans chapter 10, verse 17, because this tells us where our faith should be. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes when we hear. And when we hear that message, we have to hear the message and the words about Jesus Christ and his plan for all of humanity. And that's when our lives are made new and our lives are made whole. At our 11 o'clock service today, we're going to be baptizing Evan back here in this baptistry. Maybe God is speaking to your heart just like he was Evan's heart, and Evan's dad is going to be baptizing him. And I encourage you, if God's Stirring something in your life to help you understand and helping you see right now that you are separated from him because of sin and that Jesus wants to make you new and Jesus wants to make you alive. I hope that you will not leave this place this morning without making a note of that on a card or sharing that with someone here so that we can follow up with you about that next step that God is wanting you to take. But good things come when you follow God's design. Listen to what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight see what God is promising us in those two verses is that he will set our paths straight if we trust in him more than we trust in ourselves trust in the Lord with not some of your heart but trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean on what don't lean on your own understanding But in every moment, moment by moment, day by day, year by year, trust him more than you trust your own plans. Trust his details more than you trust your own details. And it says he will set our paths straight. And he will open up an amazing path for us to walk upon. It's precisely why he was wanting to be first place in the Israelites' life. Because he knew that there would be so many things that would be jockeying for position for first place in their life, just like you and I are tempted to fall prey to today. But just like the Israelites, just like the Israelites, and I can relate to this, maybe you struggle to always trust God in everything because of the situation that you're going through. Maybe you're going through a valley right now and the details have just not worked out in your favor and you're wondering, can God really be trusted? Is God really in the midst of all of these details? Does God really have my best interest in mind and if you're asking yourself that question, or maybe you have asked yourself that question at some point, and if you're not one of those two categories, you're probably going to be in category three a little bit later in life. Someday, you will ask yourself this question, is God really trustworthy in the midst of this situation? And I want you to see this here on the screen, that God is no less a God of details, even though a situation may not make sense to you. We sometimes think God's only a God of details when everything's kind of up and to the right. God is no less a God of details. God is no less caring, even though a situation may not make sense to you. Even though you might be feeling like you're kind of wandering out in the desert like the Israelites, God is still holding all of those details together, even though that situation or even though your season may not make sense to you. Look back at verse 2 of Exodus chapter 25. Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering, and you are to receive the offering from me for everyone whose heart prompts them to give. And he goes on to tell them these are the offerings that they are to bring. They're to bring gold and silver and onyx and linen and all of these fine, precious gems, and they are to bring those as an offering to God so that a tabernacle can be built, a place where God will come and meet with them. But just reflect upon where they were prior to this. God's asking them to bring some pretty precious items to him. Where are people who just got delivered from captivity going to get gold and silver and precious gems? Where are they going to come up with all of these things? In honor of the Olympics, God said, bring me gold, silver, and bronze. (laughs) And I read this story and I think to myself, it would actually make more sense to me if God asked them to bring something that was a little bit more representative of where they were, because they're wandering in the desert, the only food they have is manna and quail and water, and they're really tired of that. So I'm thinking, if I'm the Israelites, I'm like, God, couldn't you ask for some sand? We got lots of that. Why can't you build the tabernacle with sand? Because, I mean, that's all we've got out here. We've sand for days and heat maybe 100 degrees temperature and a vial of sand. God, could you ask us to bring that as an offering? No, God says, I want you to bring gold and silver and bronze. It doesn't seem very representative of where they are. It's kind of like some of you have amazing kitchens. Some of you have double stoves in your house, and I'm so jealous of you. Um, You know, you have those double ovens where you can cook two things at once. Or maybe you have a stove with 10 burners. You have all the appliances, all the gadgets, all the pots, all the pans, all the works. If you knew how to cook, If you knew how to do a gourmet meal, it would not be unreasonable for me to say to you, hey, can you prepare a meal that consists of the following? Filet mignon, garlic roasted mashed potatoes, um, sautéed green beans with those blistered tomatoes, homemade yeast rolls, and a decadent chocolate cake. Is anybody hungry? (laughs) I mean, doesn't it sound awesome? I mean, for you, if, if that's your setup, though, and you know how to cook, That's not going to be challenging. But if I turn to the college student who has a toaster oven and a mini fridge, (laughs) and I say to them, please prepare me that same meal, it's going to be a little bit of a stretch. God is asking wanderers who were just delivered from captivity to bring the most precious items to him, which begs the question, where did they get them? Where did they find all of those things? And I've already referenced this once in this sermon series in the summer, but it so bears repeating, for you to get the answer to that question: Where did they get all of these things? Go back to Exodus chapter twelve, Exodus chapter twelve, verse thirty-three through thirty-six. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry. This is when the this is when the Israelites are getting ready to leave captivity. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise they said, "We will all die." So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. And the Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold for clothing. And the Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. Where did the Israelites get all the items that they brought for the tabernacle to worship God? They asked the people who were holding them captive, can we have all your gold? And the Egyptians were favorable towards them and heaped all of these precious stones and all of this precious gold and all of this fine linen and I guess all of the goat hair up on them and sent them out into the wilderness. When I read this text, it encourages me that even though I'm in a situation that does not make sense to me right now, it does not mean that God has abandoned me in the details. Who would have thought in captivity that you would go to the people holding you captive and say, "Hmm, can I please have all of your most expensive items before you let me go?" And they say yes to them, and that's the very items that God is going to use and ask them to bring to him as an offering to build a place where he comes and he dwells. I don't know why sickness happens, but I know God's in the midst of the details. I don't know why some of you were looked over for something that you felt like you deserved. I don't know why some of you have gone through things that you didn't deserve. I don't know why some of you are at a place in your life right now that you don't want to be or that you didn't ever think that you would be. But what I do know is that God is no less in the details of a part of the story that doesn't make sense. God is no less in the details in a part of a story that just does not add up the way that you wanted it to. How do we know that? Why do we know that? Because you see it here on the screens is that God is sovereign and in all things. That word sovereign simply means that he's in control. He holds everything together. God is sovereign. He is in all things. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. This is particularly in reference to Jesus, that Jesus is before all things and that everything is held together because of him. That means that no part of your story is wasted. That means that no part of the valley that you're walking through, have you ever walked alone? Because according to the Bible, everything is held together by God. He is where we can draw our strength, and in Him is where I can find life. Why? Because He's the one that's holding it all together. I can trust Him with the details because He's sovereign over it all. I can trust Him with the lack of details because He's sovereign over it all. I can trust Him with the details that I would prefer He didn't bring to me because He's sovereign over it all keep going, Exodus chapter 25. Listen particularly what God asked him to do, starting back in verse 8. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them, and make this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you, Have them make an ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high, and overlay it with pure gold both inside and out, and make a gold molding around it. Cast four gold rings for it and fasten them to its four feet with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. And then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. And the poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. Then put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law, which I will give you. And make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide. And make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other. Make the cherubim of one piece with the cover at the two ends. And the cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. And the cherubim are to face each other, looking forward towards the cover and place the cover on top of the ark and put in the ark of the tablets of the covenant law that I will give you. And there above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the covenant law, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. Now that's lots of specific details. And there's some of you all who are builders and you just geeked out at all that detail. You like to build things, and you loved all the measurements. You loved all of just how all this comes together. And then there's the rest of you that are like, well, that sounds pretty. That sounds nice. You know, it's gold cherubim that are, you know, kind of overlaying this Ark of the Covenant, and that's where it is that God comes and meets them. But regardless of how exciting this is or how much you geek out all of the details, what you don't need to miss is at the center of this structure. At the center of this tabernacle, they are instructed to build the Ark of the Covenant, and that's the place where God's law is to be placed. And that's the place where he's going to come and to meet with him. It's at the center where God says, I want you to prioritize me. You put me at the center, and he gives them specific instructions about how to do that. And then he says specifically, I want you to build it this way. And when you build it this way, right in the center is where I'm going to come and dwell. And I'm going to come and meet you. I want you to look at all this. Look at all these promises. Back in verse 9, make this tabernacle, and all of its furnishings exactly like the pattern, I will show you. Look at verse 16, then put the ark of the tablets of the covenant law, which I will give you. Look at verse 21, place the cover on top of the ark and put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law that I will give you. And look back at verse 22. There above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the Ark of the Covenant law, I will meet with you and I will give you all of my commands. Time after time after time after time. God is saying, I will show you, I will show you, I will meet you, I will meet you, I will show you, I will show you, I will meet you, I will provide for you, I will show you, I will meet you, I will show you, I will meet you if you just follow his instructions. And what that reminds me is what you see here on your screen is that when you trust God, it actually takes out all the guesswork because he says, I want to meet you. I want to show you all of the plans. When you trust God, it takes out all of the guesswork. Now, does that mean that everything in your life is going to be detailed as you want it to be? Probably not. Does that mean you're going to get everything you want way back there in the corner? No. Does that mean that everything is going to work in your specific timeline? Probably not. Probably not. Does that mean that God is going to 100% align everything perfectly according to my agenda and my needs? Probably not. Does it mean, though, that if I'm willing to give up control of my life to Him and to trust Him more than I trust myself, that God will eliminate all of the guesswork to be able to push me forward in trusting Him? Absolutely. That if I will let control go, of myself and trust him that he meets me there see he provided freedom when the Israelites needed it most they needed to cross the sea and they didn't have a boat <laughs> and God parted the sea they were hungry and they needed food and God provided manna and quail for them see when you're able to trust God you know that he hasn't in control meaning that I don't have to worry meaning that I can grow in him and meaning that I can live my life for him. But how does this happen? How does my life get to the point to where I reflect what it is that God desires? See, the only way that you're ever going to live this kind of life is for you to know him, to pursue him, to trust him, to give him control of everything, to be in that relationship with him because it's precisely what he wants. In fact, you see it here on the screen, but God yearns to dwell with you and make himself known. God yearns to dwell with you. We don't serve a God that's so far off that is removed from the needs of his people and the cries of those he has created. No, he yearns to meet with you. It's why he told them to bring an offering and to build a place for him to come and dwell because he wanted to meet with them. So my question to you is, do you know him that way? Are you growing in that kind of a relationship with God where you reflect upon how good he is and how holy he is? Or is God just one of your many priorities? Is God just one of the many things that you're trying to worship right now? Because every time that we stand up here, every song that we sing, every word that is delivered from God, every moment of prayer, every sacrificial gift that you give, every minute that you spend serving, every minute that you are about God's work opposed to being about yourself, it's an invitation for you to know him better. And when you get to know him better, you begin to trust him more and more. And when you trust him more and more you realize how much you don't want to be in control anymore because you want him to be in control and you begin to trust him then with all of the unseen details or you trust him with the lack of details because you realize that he is good and you're able to trust him with all of your cares and you trust him with all of your plans and how you do that is you grow in that trust by worshiping it's why god had them build a home for him before he had them build a home for themselves if i'm wandering in the desert i'm probably thinking to myself god can i get some lumber and build a structure for myself first and then i'll worship you god says no i don't want you to have anything in front of me it's why he said build this place for me and then allow everything else to follow suit so i encourage you today to respond to him to reflect upon him and to meet with him in this place because he is here. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. I want to give you a chance to reflect on this truth today. The man's going to come up and they're going to lead us in a time of worship here in just an end before we conclude our service. But I encourage you to respond to him. Meet him in this place. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I, I do hope and pray that today would be the day that you give control of your life to him. Or maybe you're here and you've just been gone, going through um, some valleys and you're wondering if he can really be trusted. And I pray that today you would just very simply say, God, I want to trust you more and more. Please meet me here. Or maybe there's something entirely different that you're going through. And if that's where you are, I, I hope that you'll not leave this place without asking God to provide you His strength and His wisdom. God is here in this place. And He's speaking through His Word and maybe He's speaking in a really still small voice in your life right now and He's just asking you to trust Him. To trust Him with all the details or to trust Him with the lack of details. Wherever you might fall, I pray above all though that you would prioritize knowing Him and meeting him because he yearns to meet with you. So God, thank you for who you are. You're so good. You're so gracious. You're so kind. You show us so much love and mercy that we do not deserve. And we thank you for that. And I pray, God, for the person in the room right now that's struggling, for the person that's hurting, the person that's wondering. Can you really be trusted with everything that's going on? Remind them, God, that you are here and that you love them. So thank you, God, for who you are. And thank you again for your son, Jesus, who gives us life. And it's in his powerful name that we pray and ask all these things. Amen
0: and amen. Thanks for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, which is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network Podcast, the RH Women's As You Go Podcast and much more. If you wanna learn more about what's going on at Rolling Hills and how you can get involved, we'd invite you to download the Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook and stay up to date on what's happening and how you can connect. We're so thankful for you.